0: Don't be afraid in anything. You need to take advantage of opportunities that come along, even if they're not what you think they might be. And you need to engage with people.
1: The oil and gas industry, the driving engine of the world economy, delivering prosperity innovation and abundance across the globe. Here are the stories of its key players, directly from the leaders themselves. This is Bulwark's oil and gas industry leaders podcast, where real experiences are passed on from the leaders of today to the leaders of tomorrow. Here is your host, Paige Wilson. Welcome to episode 13. I'm sitting here this afternoon at the Capitol Girls City Center with my guest. Well, this is a first, Paige Hunt. Managing Director of the Diversified Energy Group for Credit Agricole, Corporate, and Investment Bank. How are you this afternoon, Paige? I'm doing
0: fine. How are you doing, Paige?
1: It's not raining, so I'm glad for that. Before we go deeper into your role, could you please tell our audience how you got started in the industry?
0: Well, it's a little interesting because I never set out to be a banker specifically and certainly not in the energy industry. I actually moved to Houston after graduating from Arizona State following a young lady. And when I got to Houston, I think it was at the specific point where oil was cratering. I have a personal joke that the first oil crash in 1982 happened while I was sitting on I-10 coming in from Phoenix. (laughs) What that meant was that it was an incredibly difficult time to find a job here in Houston. And so I ended up working for a temp agency uh, where I was actually placed in a bank working night shift, doing something that people don't really see done anymore, which is encoding checks. So I didn't, really have any day time job or anything like that. But somebody within the bank that I worked for saw me and pulled me out and actually got me a job in their credit training program.
1: Well, hats off to them.
0: I, I know. It, it's a little unusual because, you know, you don't generally get noticed by somebody when you're working night shift in a production area of the bank. So I joined the bank. no longer exists. It's First City, which it was acquired by what's now J.P. Morgan Chase back in 1992. But I joined them and went through the training program. And when it came time to leave the program and go out and be actually In a team, I selected the group where the banker that I thought would do the best job of guiding me and giving me insight and. Seemed to be the most interested of all the bankers out in the groups in terms of mentoring, and he happened to work in the energy division. So I migrated from the training program to the energy division completely by accident, not intending to bank in energy or anything like that. It's
1: funny how that works out, isn't it?
0: It is. Sometimes the doors that open, surprisingly, are the ones that are the best to go through.
1: I couldn't agree more. So now that we know where you started, can we discuss further that journey to now?
0: Sure. So I I worked for the bank in that division, in the energy division, for about four years, and the banker that I had selected to be my mentor moved on, and I inherited his role as a banker. I worked for First City until October of 1992, when the bank actually failed, and I was hired by one of my customers to be their treasurer. Oh, that's cool. So I quickly, rather than be among a you know, 3,000 bankers out on the street looking for a job, I, I took that job and went to work for my former customer as the treasurer and found after being there for a short period of time that being on the corporate side wasn't what I wanted to do. It didn't give me enough opportunity to look at things from a strategic perspective. It was very short-term, day-to-day nature, sort of cash flow. Right. What's, what's going on today mm-hmm. um, really challenged me, you know, looking long term. At that point, I had made a commitment to the gentleman that hired me that I would stay there for at least a year. So I stayed the year and then I started looking for a job elsewhere. And one of my former colleagues was working for a predecessor of Credit Agricole, Credit A, and he was moving on. And he recommended me to the boss of the Houston office at that time, I came in, it was for an analyst role, which is somebody that does a lot of the the behind-the-scenes work, does not have any client-facing responsibilities. And he hired me, but in doing so, he said, I'm doing this reluctantly because I know the first banker job that comes open, you're going to ask me for it. He said, I need you to make a two-year commitment to being this analyst in this this sort of very junior position. And I told him, yes, absolutely, I, I want to be back in banking. So I made that change. And within two months of my joining the bank, one of the bankers left. And the head of the office left the job open for two months. And then he called me into his office and he said, you don't want the job? And I said, of course I do. But I I made a commitment to you that I wouldn't bug you for a promotion. And he said a man of your word. He said, I like that. He said, the job's yours if you want it. Whoa. So once again, sticking to your word and playing the game the right way. you know I had another door open and I was back being a banker, client facing. And that was 23 years ago, Monday. Monday.
1: Oh, wow. Congratulations.
0: Thank you. So I've been with the bank for that long.
1: (laughs) That is a long time. It is. So can you tell us what you do now? Can you explain your role and maybe talk about some challenges you went through? during that time
0: sure the job that i have now when i first took over as as a banker i had a few certain specified names and over the last 23 years for the bank i've actually covered everything from upstream e&p clients service companies companies like slumberger weatherford mm-hmm. halliburton offshore drilling contractors engineering and construction companies refiners and marketers, I've handled some utilities and some independent power producers, Mm -hmm. as well as working with the majors like Exxon and, and those kind of guys. So my portfolio and the progression has, has changed as the structure of the office has changed over the last 20 years. Mm-hmm. And so at various times, I've had different responsibilities for different client bases, but I have maintained a core set of clients for the entire 22 years that I've been a banker with the bank. And, and I'm very proud of that.
1: As you should be. Is there any part of the industry you prefer over the other?
0: It's really interesting because the energy industry is a very dynamic, ever changing industry. I mean, there's technological advances, you know, companies continue to change structures, change their focus. And so what has been very interesting to me has been to work with a variety of clients and a broad cross section of the industry segments because that gives you or has given me the best perspective in terms of how different segments of the energy industry taken as a whole, mm-hmm. you know, look at what's going on. And to see how the two, you know, a service company fits with an independent or with a major has been very intriguing. The job that I have today actually requires me to be the face of the bank to the client. And I'm responsible for coordinating the bank's global interaction with each of those clients across all product areas that the bank has to offer. So I'm responsible for credit, capital markets, foreign exchange, interest rate derivatives, equity, for coordinating the bank's response and interaction with the clients on all those fronts.
1: That's a lot to take on.
0: It is, but it forces you to or it's forced me to take a very holistic approach to reviewing, you know, and looking at my clients because it doesn't really help to sell the product or the you don't want to push what the bank is selling as much as you want to make sure that you're providing the service and the appropriate type of product to your client that works for them and is fits their needs. And I think that one of the things that is the most interesting from my perspective is that I get to talk to executive management and the people that actually transact and are managing the company's long-term capital structure, strategic initiatives, and by building the right relationships with the right people, you spend a lot of time inside of executive management's and strategic management's minds, and you get to see sort of where they're going, what they're developing internally, and if you become a trusted advisor to them somebody that they'll let behind the green curtain, as it were, to see what's going on, you actually learn a lot about how that company and their competitors fit within the industry and how they're they're looking at things. And so I've really found that having that level of interaction is very rewarding. And it's the thing that kind of keeps me going after having been in the industry for this long.
1: Right. And so you did mention that you were mentored. You had times, well, pretty much all of your time, somebody's always noticed you. H- have you kind of changed roles in that way and done the same for someone else.
0: I actually have competitors out in the market who have the same job that I have or are actually running an office for a foreign bank that worked for me and would mentor them, spend time with them, introduce them to clients, and gradually pass the baton in terms of client management on to them. So I like to joke that every good thing that clients like about certain bankers around, they can contribute that to me. And anything bad is obviously a bad habit that they've picked <laughs> up since they worked with me. <laughs>
1: Or just take responsibility for your own. Yes. Okay, so if you have one piece of advice to give our audience, what would it be?
0: Don't be afraid in anything. You need to take advantage of opportunities that come along, even if they're not what you think they might be. And you need to engage with people. Do it genuinely in terms of what they want to talk about. Not what you want to talk about, but what they want to talk about.
1: Be a good listener.
0: Yes, uh, that's exactly it page because if they sense that you're listening and truly are trying to understand what they're doing they're going to share a lot more you're going to learn a lot more and you're going to be a lot more relevant to
1: them i see yeah no I, I can completely agree with that and quite frankly identify maybe it's a page thing i don't know <laughs> it, you know what it
0: might be <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay that's fantastic advice what book influenced you the most
0: I'd actually have to say that it is, and it's been a while since I read it. It was, um, I think the title was Reagan on Reagan, and it was in his own words where he'd written letters and, and things like that. I don't mean from a, you know, necessarily from a political perspective, but when reading that, I felt like I got a lot of insight in terms of intellectual thought. And I know many people may not think that Ronald Reagan was that intellectual or or put a lot of thinking into things. But in reading that book and, you know, in his own letters, I mean, it gave me a sense of the benefits and the mental rigor in terms of thinking through and challenging your own thoughts.
1: Awesome. What is your most used business tool?
0: Well, it's interesting because I think it is me and my name. (laughs) to be quite honest, because people don't know many mail pages. And um, I find that people always remember who I am because of the name. And so it's off the track of what you're asking. But it actually gives me the ability, you know, I call and I don't have to identify myself with assistants. They know instantly who I am because of the name. So that actually, it wasn't quite as big, big a benefit growing up as it is today.
1: Uh, I'll have to agree with you on that one.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But my name is actually one of the advantages. But I I think the other one is the fact that I don't take myself too seriously. Mm -hmm. I have no problem laughing at myself. I don't dodge if I've made a misjudgment or uh, there's been something that I haven't gotten quite right. You step up and take responsibility. People respect that. And then I think the other thing is that you have to have a sense of humor. You have to have an ability to laugh at yourself have an ability to laugh at a situation. And as you develop a relationship with a client, they truly appreciate it. And I've actually had situations where CEOs and CFOs of my clients have actually commented to my managers that, in fact, one of the things that they found that they liked most about working with me over other bankers at, at other institutions is the fact that I didn't take myself too seriously. Right. And that I was able to enjoy myself and enjoy the work that I was doing with them. And I wasn't afraid to show it.
1: Right. And life's too short anyway.
0: It is. And there's, you know, there's a reason I don't work for J.P. Morgan is because I can't wear a blue suit every day. <laughs> <laughs> and I can't take myself too seriously. And I just, I can't be that person.
1: I understand. Great answer. Who would you say is your most respected competitor? Do you have one?
0: <laughs> so I, I think from an institutional perspective, the institutions that are the most respected are are take, that are taken the most seriously are the bulge bracket institutions. I think that uh, many of my clients view banks like Credit Agricole as the most universally helpful because We don't have to come in and sit down and pursue the active left lead on every transaction. We can actually take a little bit more of a holistic view. And so I think there are other institutions out there that behave that way, and they tend to be more of the foreign banks. Mm -hmm. And, And so I think that in terms of value add, I think that you get institutions like a standard chartered, you know, a BBVA, those kinds of institutions that have a different product offer skill set, right. you know, are, are very useful and very meaningful to, to clients. And so I have two answers. It's foreign banks for ability to kind of get to know and be useful and very helpful around the margins. Mm-hmm. And then it would probably be JP Morgan in terms of sheer market share and ability to push things through.
1: Excellent. What's your most important lesson learned?
0: don't, don't procrastinate in facing difficult situations. It is a lesson that I've learned because the problem on at least one occasion in the the past, if you defer taking action and bringing people in to, to work with you, the situation never improves and you're left with fewer people on your side. And so the, the biggest, I think, lesson I've learned is don't delay, don't, don't hide from an issue, don't hide from a problem.
1: Very good. What's your favorite podcast?
0: I don't normally listen to podcasts, but Oil and Gas Industry Leaders is is the one that I like the most.
1: Thank you. I really appreciate it. See, it's a page thing. It's a page thing. It's
0: it's yet another connection.
1: (laughs) So now I feel it's only appropriate that we announce this week's winner of the $200 steak dinner from the Capitol Grill. Congratulations to Elizabeth Hoffman. So if you want to win a $200 steak dinner from the Capitol Grill, and who wouldn't, visit www.bulwark.com.org forward slash podcast every every week you've got to sign up every week guys enter your information and listen to next week's show to see if your name's chosen as always a link will be provided in the show notes to make it easier to enter and if you're not familiar with bulwark they're the leader not to mention the largest manufacturer of flame resistant clothing in the entire world So after you've signed up for that steak dinner, be sure to check out the rest of Bulwark's website to learn more. And since Oil & Gas Global Network's calendar is filled with events, I also need to thank our on-the-road travel sponsors. So Lee Hecht Harrison is the world's leading talent development and transition company that helps businesses simplify the transformation of their talent and workforces to accelerate results and reduce risk. They also help individuals build their careers within their companies or transition into new opportunities. So visit www.lhh.com for more information about that. And then we have Total Land Technologies, and they have the world's most advanced field land management system, which is the Landman Virtual Office. So visit www.totalland.com for more information about them. Also, uh, I need reviews. I haven't gotten any new reviews lately, folks. So if you could do me a a big favor and just take a couple minutes out of your your busy schedules to leave something in iTunes, that'd be great. Don't write it how you want. I just I would I I need feedback to know how. Let me know I'm doing okay. So thank you so much for joining me today, Paige. Uh, If people want to reach out to you and get to know about you or your uh, company, how might they go about doing that?
0: Um, they can reach me via email, which is my name, page, P-A-G-E dot Dillahunt, D-I-L-L-E-H-U-N-T at C-A dot com.
1: Perfect. And I'll make sure to put that in the show notes. Well, that concludes this episode. So just remember, it's up to you to open the next door. Tune in next week for another intriguing episode of Bulwark's Oil & Gas Industry Leaders podcast, a production of the Oil & Gas Global Network. Learn more at oilandgasindustryleaders.com.